welcome to the sixth episode of ThoughtSpace, the podcast from the Center for Policy Research. CPR is an Indian think tank researching on various issues from urbanization to foreign policy, from economic reforms to environmental challenges. The India-Pakistan relationship has been at an all-time low since the Uri attack, with India closely watching the change in guard of the Pakistani army chief. Today, Richa Bansal from the communications team will be in conversation with Ambassador G. Parthasarthi, a career diplomat and honorary research professor at CPR, who has also been the High Commissioner of India to Pakistan, to understand what General Kamar Javed Bajwa's appointment as the new Army Chief of Pakistan means for India and the larger geopolitical scenario. Hi, I'm Richa. Since the Uri attack and India's surgical strike in response, in addition to other diplomatic measures such as raising the Balochistan issue and boycotting the SARC summit, relations between India and Pakistan have been at an all-time low. There has been continuous escalation at the line of control since, the most recent being the attack at Nagrota, and the only icebreaker, if it may be so-called, has been Sartaz Aziz's presence at the just-concluded Heart of Asia summit in Amritsar, where Aziz indicated Pakistan's willingness to resume dialogue. India's attention has been focused on the change of guard in Pakistan's army chief, the de facto power centre in Pakistan, and with the replacement of Rahil Sharif with General Kamar Javed Bajwa last week, who is known to be pro-democracy, a new equation is expected to take shape. A number of other variables are also likely to influence the India-Pakistan relationship, including General Bajwa's stance towards the war on Pakistan's Afghanistan border with the Pashtuns and support for Taliban there, the country's ongoing equation with China, and future relations with the US under Donald Trump, which currently are a question mark. Today, we will talk to Ambassador G. Parthasarthi, a career diplomat who has been the High Commissioner of India to Pakistan, among other countries, and Honorary Research Professor at CPR, to unpack what General Kamar Javed Bajwa's taking over as Pakistan's Army Chief means for India and the region at large. Sir, let me begin by asking you if you could contextualize the discussion by commenting on General Rahil Sharif's legacy. Well, uh, you know, General Rahil Sharif came at, at a time when I think we made some cardinal mistakes in the conduct of policy with Pakistan. The fact of the matter is that after the parliament attack, we were poised for war, deployed on both sides. And really, we uh, pulled, uh, pulled back only after we got start getting, started getting clear signs that there was something, change of thinking in Pakistan. Uh, most notably, I must mention that during this period, infiltration across the line of control continued, but we did something we hadn't done before and I was a part of this exercise along with General Malik, when it's, uh, then Army Chief, when it started. It is we started bombarding their positions in Pakistan-occupied Kashmir so heavily that they could not take it any longer. There's a particular part of Pakistan-occupied Kashmir known as the Neelam Valley. I mean, the Pakistanis told me our shelling was so heavy that not even a mosquito could fly there. Now, it was only when things became that hot and secondly, the Americans turned the screws because they found this was diverting attention 
from their post 9-11 operations in Afghanistan that General Musharraf was forced to pull back. But really it was Pakistan which asked for a ceasefire in August 2003. Yes. We did not respond uh, but we cooled off partially along the line of control. But what did happen was in the meantime there were negotiations going on back channel in which Mr. Brajesh Mishra was involved along with his uh, Pakistani counterpart was Musharraf's advisor and we came across a, the thing that apart from the ceasefire the two countries agreed to resume the, con the uh, composite dialogue process which covered everything and um, on the condition in response to an assurance from Pakistan that territory under Pakistan's control because we did not recognize Pakistan occupied Kashmir as being a part of Pakistan but territory under Pakistan's control would not be used for terrorism against India. Right. Also we have nice to remember that preceding this after Kargil the uh, Nawaz Sharif had given President Clinton the assurance that Pakistan would respect the sanctity of the line of control which meant that there would be no movement of infiltration armed personnel across the line of uh, control and its sanctity would be the word was sanctity would be respected things went fine till about 2007 Musharraf observed the ceasefire and in fact in back channel there was considerable progress towards finding a reasonable framework to settle Jammu and Kashmir things went wrong because of domestic problems which Musharraf had and I believe also certain problems which uh, uh, existed within the UPA about the entire foreign policy setup. Um, so that was the people held back. The mistake we made was that when Musharraf handed over the baton to General Kayani, the infiltration started again. They also went back on the framework which we were working on on Jammu and Kashmir. There was a material change in the position. Now, these significant changes took place. Worse still, we found our missions and projects in Afghanistan were being targeted by ISI-backed uh, Haqqani network and Pakistani-based groups like the Lashkar-e-Taiba. And then came the attack on our embassy in Kabul. Which was an, again 2008, about three months before the 26-11. Government took no notice. Uh, they just thought business continues as, uh, uh, as normal. We paid a heavy price for it. You ignored that 26-11 followed. 26-11 followed. We went and made uh, an absolute spectacle of ourselves and reduced ourselves to ridicule by the stupid manner in which we negotiated with Sharam al-Sheikh and agreed to talk about Baluchistan. No mention of terrorism, no mention of their assurance. It was the worst example of Indian diplomacy I have seen in my life. You know, and I have negotiated with Pakistan for a very, very long time. Um, so the fundamental mistake was delinking uh, terrorism with talks. Terrorism from talks. And the inevitable followed. 
uh, things kept going, things get hot. Sure, we made our mistakes in the way we managed the situation in Jammu and Kashmir. Could have been managed better, as many would say, over this period of time. I'm not blaming any particular government. But it was, uh, it was tailor-made for Pakistan to escalate. Then came Rahir Sharif. Which year again? Oh, that was three years ago. That was 2013, I think. Yes. Right. And um, Nawaz had just come in. It was evident from us from day one that this guy was going to be a problem. His uncle had been killed by us in 1965. That is a conflict I took part in when I was in the army oh. uh, in Pathankot. And uh, his brother had been killed in 1971. And he was a mediocre guy who made it to the top primarily because of the patronage that General Musharraf gave him. He repaid Musharraf, mind you, because when Nawaz tried to put Musharraf on trial, he warned him to lay off or he would take over. That was, it was as blunt as that. So Nawaz backed off. He, Nawaz became a person with no authority. He even had to plead with Shahbaz Sharif. Shahbaz Sharif had to plead with General Sharif to allow Nawaz to come here to Delhi for uh, the inauguration of uh, Mr. Mr. Modi. Right. And we never understood this. Everybody was in a hurry. Everybody wanted to be good. Uh, yes. And I think most important, Mr. Modi had come with an image of being very hardline and so on. So he naturally had to bend backwards to be nice to neighbors. Um, that, that, that was a fact of life because he had to demonstrate to the world that he has reached out. I, I, I think by and large that policy has paid a lot of dividends with all our neighbors. Even with China, after the strong way in which it was taken up after Xi Jinping, during Xi Jinping's invasion to India, the border has been largely tranquil. The net result is we should have seen the writing on the wall. Rahil Sharif starts an operation in Karachi against the Mahajirs on his own. Worse still, after the Peshawar school attack, he commits one third of the Pakistan army to attack the tribal areas. He drives one million Pashtuns homeless. He uses air power to bomb and strafe Pashtun villages. I mean, this is going to, they're going to pay a very, very heavy price for this because Pashtuns don't forget these things. Everybody, every invader up to the British learned that. And that operation was undertaken without even parliamentary approval. In effect, Rahil Sharif told this Pakistani parliament and the Pakistan government to take a hike. That is the reality of Pakistan. Now, you asked a question about his successor. So, yeah, that will be my next question. Okay. So no, but, but that is Rahil Sharif. Yeah, so you have to take him for what it was. Um, and I think we had therefore to change the paradigm. The surgical strike was a change of the paradigm from our side. Meaning we will no longer go by what even Mr. Vajpayee said during the Kargil intrusion when he said, I will respect the sanctity of the line of control. We changed it to say, I will attack across the line of control to protect myself from people you are going to infiltrate. 
So the surgical strike, and if you see what our DGMO told their DGMO, we made it clear it was not an attack on the Pakistan Armed Forces. It was an act of self-defense taken against people who were prepared to cross. Uh, I think that had its impact in the sense it shook them. That we know and that I know, definitely. Can you highlight more? In the sense, while there was a lot of bluff and bluster, the very fact that Rahil Sharif said that when we knock you with a surgical strike, you will remember it for generations, meant it had hurt. That was a paradigm shift. That's great. Thank you for that, sir. Um, so clearly, Rahil Sharif's legacy was thorny both for Pakistan and India, mm. and the surgical strike changed the paradigm. Mm. Um, now that General Bajwa has taken over, it is said that he's pro-democracy um, in Pakistan. So how is this going to define India-Pakistan relations going forward, given that one of the questions often asked is, who should India talk to in Pakistan? And can we expect a reprieve from the kind of attacks we saw under Sharif's tenure? Saying an army general in Pakistan is pro-democracy is like saying a butcher is a vegetarian. Okay. This is the reality. Yes. The guy has interested in the institution of the army. Therefore, he will go by what are in the army's interests. The army cannot wield the power that it does till it uh, has a role in national security and has to prove to its people they face a threat. What I heard about General Bajwa is he's a much more soft-spoken man, very measured. But to imagine that suddenly he's going to change things over is wrong. The Pakistan army is already committed. They have about they had committed about 200,000 troops in uh, the Northwest Frontier Province and elsewhere. One of the reasons they had to be careful with us is many of their reserves had been committed on the western border. Uh, they will now change that uh, deployment pattern and um, uh, come back. In the meantime, you mean come back to the come back, uh, come back uh, to the extent they can. I don't think it's going to be that easy. As I said, Pashtuns don't forget. We'll have to see how it goes. But what is your, your sense on how India-Pakistan relations will take shape under him, given that the army will not change its basic constitution? The, basi the basic point is, be prepared for a long haul. Do you say there will be more attacks? I, I think now that the snows have set in, the line of control will substantially cool down. Right. Infiltration in, this, in these conditions is difficult. But you have to be on your guard. What is more concerned to me is that after the Pathan court attack, they seem to have made crossing the international border a normal thing. And, and we will have to devise ways. But at the same time, I must say one thing. I think you'll have to identify who your friends are and who your uh, people who, who want a normal life are and the army and the radical Islamic establishment. I think one important initiative which again Mr. Modi alluded to in his speech in Amritsar is the fact of coming of Sufi beliefs to India across the Punjab border, across Amritsar. Many Pakistan, there are many Pakistanis, the Barailvis who are Sufi largely, many others 
don't go by this militant brand of Wahhabi Islam. I think we should consider, we should in fact liberalize visas for them to come. You see, you the, there is a tendency to keep saying that uh, a, a tough policy means being tough all around. Now, do you think the army cares a hang if you prevent a Muhajir from coming and seeing his cousins here? Do we do any good uh, if uh, hurt the army by preventing groups of school children or Rotarians from coming here? Thanks for explaining that. People-to-people mm. uh, -people contact is necessary even as we take diplomatic and army measures, yeah. uh, military measures. Now coming to the line of control which you said will see less activity given its snow. Uh, the months of snow are coming in. General Bajwa actually urged the Pakistani army to react aggressively to any ceasefire violations by India mm. when he took oath last week Tuesday. Mm. What is your take on that and is related to that, is the ceasefire on the, at the LOC now effectively over? Well, uh, let me put it this way. I would, what else did you expect General Bajwa to say? The poor guy has just taken over. And I'm pretty, and if you go through the timing of that operation, it was planned and executed before he became chief. So it was Rahir Sharif's doing. So he can't pretend to his troops that he doesn't believe in uh, any of the tough measures they take. That's perfectly natural for him to say what he say. I'd hold my judgment. Um, uh, he, is, he is like everybody else, a, for part of the Punjabi elite in Pakistan, drawn into the army, and uh, he will do what he has to do. Uh, you have mentioned about the many wars being fought on the f different fronts in Pakistan. If you can shed light your thoughts on what will General Bajwa's stance likely to be towards the, especially the Afghan border. Um, you know, is, is he going to support, uh, continue to support the Taliban in Afghanistan like Sharif? Oh, I have not. I have and no. how will this impact India? I have no doubt he will. Uh, and that is a matter then to be settled out between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Because uh, Afghanistan now has the potential to pay them back in their own coin. Don't forget Afghanistan has borders with them in the tribal areas and Balochistan. And don't forget the Iranian border has not been all that quiet between Iran. Iran and Pakistan, there have been shootouts. Uh, Pakistan does play games with uh, Iranian Sunni groups like the Jundullah. So it is a more complex situation in the neighborhood. What has been a source of some concern to me? The Russians are not interested in pouring in money militarily. They are firstly not happy with an American presence there. So they'd love to see the Americans go. Uh, they've also come to a conclusion that uh, I think pushed by China that they should keep in touch with the Taliban. The Russians, largely given the fact that uh, they are so heavily indebted to China, they have just uh, signed a $400 billion deal for selling uh, China uh, oil and gas. Uh, so I think um, they are following the Chinese lead. And it's very important to understand the Chinese game. Nobody understands this. China is very scared of Islamic fundamentalism in Xinjiang province, neighboring Afghanistan. Over the years, they have struck a deal with the ISI. Even when I was high commissioner in Pakistan and the Taliban was ruling uh, Afghanistan, that they would help the Taliban economically and otherwise, and not cause them any problems diplomatically in return for the Taliban not uh, 
joining the Muslim insurgency by the East Turkestan Front in uh, the Xinjiang province. So since then, and I, I recall the Chinese ambassador even then used to make a number of trips to Kandahar. Uh, they have maintained these links with the Taliban. Uh, post 9-11, the Chinese have uh, maintained uh, ISI-backed links with the Taliban. Right now, it is only China and Pakistan which is pushing the Taliban cause. They have roped in Russian aversion to an American presence to bring the Russians on board. So is this a source of concern then? Yeah, we'll have to look at it, look it as it comes, but one knows the Taliban and uh, they will at some stage hit anybody whom they don't regard to be sort of uh, practicing their, their brand of Islam. But uh, the Russians right now are, uh, are positioning themselves to more or less join China in acting as apologists for the Taliban and thereby backing in effect the Pakistani position. My next question is, Rahil Sharif is known to have held direct meetings with the Chinese, mm. completely overriding mm. the government. Mm. Is General Bajwa likely to be different? He will see what's good for him. If he is an, has an adversarial relationship with Nawaz Sharif, he will do precisely what uh, Rahil Sharif did. And there's precious little that Nawaz can do because the real test is going to come now. Because if Nawaz is some form indicted by the Supreme Court on the Panama case, all hell is going to break loose there. You don't know what the equations are going to be, how General Bajwa will be, behave. So, uh, you are sitting on a very uncertain situation there. So, what should India's policy be then? Like, does India need a new Pakistan policy? Or should it wait and watch? You see, you can't describe a policy with a complex country like Pakistan where it touches every aspect of your national life. Uh, you have to have a fairly clear view that this is a cancer on the body politic. Pakistan is a cancer on the body politic of South, uh, of South Asia. The Afghans say it. The Bangladeshis say it, we say it. Uh, the Sri Lankans are also a bit worried about some of the funny things which Pakistani, Pakistanis do. They're with, uh, they're with minorities. So, um, I think you will just have to learn to be patient. Be very clear in your mind, and, and I'm quite clear in my mind. Don't unnecessarily behave in a short-sighted manner in having the normal sort of academic and other contacts which you will have with any neighbor. Yes, take whatever security precautions are necessary, but keep those doors open. Uh, interact with public op uh, opinion there. Um, their journalists wish to come, fine. A group of them when uh, Vajpayee was there, we went to, Kashmir, went to Kashmir and went back and told Musharraf that, you know, these Uriyat are not as big a deal as we are making them out to be. I know that happened. I think we should have confidence in the strength of our own society. That 
that you can prevail and also learn that in the conduct of relations with a country whose aim is to destroy you cannot be all with kid, with kid gloves and that brings me to my last question which we must ask and that is about the presidency of Donald Trump in the US <laughs> and how is is that going to play out in Pakistan and what does this mean for India once again how he will respond towards Pakistan how can I say when the people of the United States don't realize no why Donald Trump is going to relate to them uh, let things settle down uh, also his advisors whom I've seen his national security advisor for example is very pro-Russian uh, he is uh, at the same time a hawk on Iran I'm reasonably confident that these guys are not going to do anything which is going to cause us harm. So let's take it from there. And I think if you ask me, we need to look very, very carefully at Russia. Uh, and uh, perhaps the Russians have been getting a feeling that over the last eight or ten years, we have not been paying them the due attention that they deserve. Uh, I started my career in Moscow. I speak Russian. I'm the last, one of the last two people alive involved in the signing of the Indo-Soviet Treaty, in the negotiations of the Indo-Soviet Treaty. And I have a certain, call it irrational or rational attachment, because that's a country which does not want to do us any harm. And I think uh, when you find new friends, you shouldn't neglect old ones or take them for granted. That's my advice. Thank you, sir. Um, on that note, uh, thanks for a very interesting podcast. Um, it was great having this discussion with you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Thought Space and want to learn more about the research CPR does across various topics, Please subscribe to our mailing list and social media channels through our website www.cprindia.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at CPR underscore India.